0: Welcome back to Office Chats, a podcast presented by Madame Blue. I'm your host, Valeria, and today's guests are Bazaar and Hannah Veramini, the founders of Tend. Tend is the world's first prenatal bar made entirely from fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds, providing over 25 prenatal nutrients along with ingredients proven to reduce nausea. Hannah is an artist and startup consultant with a lifelong aversion to pills, and her husband Bazad is a professor with a PhD in human nutrition with an emphasis on prenatal nutrition and infant brain development. In this episode, Hannah and Bazad chat about developing a prenatal bar that provides more nutrients than a traditional pill or gummy, how they're balancing their startup growth with other jobs and responsibilities, plus their best advice for aspiring entrepreneurs. Let's get into the show.
1: Hi, I'm Hannah. I am co-founder of TEND, along with my husband, Bazad. This all started because I had a problem swallowing those huge prenatal vitamins. My background is in visual art, and I also worked at a couple startups before doing this venture with my husband.
2: Great to be on the show. My name is Bazad. I'm the husband of the operation <laughs> and the other half of TEND. Uh, I'm a scientist by training. I have a PhD in human nutrition. And that focused actually on prenatal diet, uh, which is an interesting thing to study as a guy, but I always found it so interesting. And that led to, of course, the business that we'll talk about. I always wanted to sort of have all the academic stuff that I learned in my head really translate into something that on the ground could help people day to day practically, and I think nutrition is such a huge opportunity to do that. And that's what Hannah and I accidentally fell into, uh, on this project.
0: With your professional background, it seems like creating this product was kind of a no-brainer, but I'd love to learn more about the beginning phases of your business and how you got started.
2: Sure. Well, it was over the pandemic that we had a lot of time on our hands, as many people did, and it was around that time that we also wanted to have a baby and grow our family. Hannah was taking prenatal vitamins to sort of prepare herself, prepare her body, get the nutrients that she needed, and she's always struggled to swallow pills. So I'm watching her psyching herself out, saying a little prayer, swallowing these big pills, choking them down, often coughing afterwards and just struggling. It's interesting because it really wasn't until I saw her struggle that I thought, oh, I have a PhD in this, being nutrition and prenatal health. What is it that she's taking? What's on the ingredient labels? What are the nutrients? I'm realizing not only are the nutrients that she's taking in these pills lab made and synthetic as Almost anything in a pill bottle is. But it was the experience of her struggling that really made me think can there be a different way? It's already hard enough trying to have a baby, trying to get pregnant. And for us, we had sort of a long pregnancy journey. Can we make this point in women's journey from a pain to something enjoyable? So we sort of turned our house and our apartment into a lab, mashing together fruits, vegetables, powders, nuts, seeds to try to provide something for Hannah that was a real food option that was enjoyable and still gave her all the nutrients that her prenatal vitamins would provide.
1: And the interesting thing was I would bring home these prenatal vitamin bottles and think that, oh, they're from fruits and vegetables because there's pictures of fruits and vegetables on the front of it. Turn to the back of the label, show bazad. And he's like, look at this ingredient. It's actually synthetic, even though it says it's from you know, XYZ. And so as a consumer, I can't tell what's synthetic or not. But Bazan's trained science eye is able to read through all of the marketing BS. lingo <laughs> BS. Yeah. And and actually see that there's no synthetic free option on the market, let alone something that's enjoyable.
0: And so why is a snack bar more effective than a pillar gummy? for providing all those essential vitamins and nutrients.
2: Yeah, it's not even that it's the snack bar form that makes it more effective. It's the ingredients because you could put synthetic vitamins and minerals into a snack bar. For me, given my training, it was really as much about the form as it was the ingredients. So nutrients from foods are better absorbed and are more potent than nutrients that are made in a lab sounds like maybe that's a revelation, but I don't think you need a PhD to sort of understand intuitively that we were made, we've evolved to eat foods. Our bodies recognize the shape, um, the structures of nutrients from foods and have receptors that specifically fit those nutrients structures for absorption. Nutrients that are made in a lab, that are put in a pill, that are in a shelf-stable bottle that sits on the store shelf for up to one or two years, have different structures, different shapes. Those nutrients are also, number two, in isolation. So if you eat vitamin C in an apple or an orange, it exists alongside other nutrients and enzymes and cofactors that enhance its absorption and potency. When you take your airborne or your emergency vitamin C supplement, it's vitamin C as an individual compound. It is the same structural compound as the vitamin C in foods, but the food vitamin C exists alongside compounds that help its absorption and potency. So the most famous example of this was a paper that came out probably about 20 years ago. And I'm almost dating myself when I started grad school. And it showed that the vitamin C in an apple, the natural form of vitamin C, had 300 times more antioxidant capacity or potency than the same dose of vitamin C in its synthetic isolated form. So 300 times better at fighting free radicals. So if you think of the term antioxidants, they're effective to fight free radicals, which can damage our cells and tissues. And so the form of vitamin C from foods, since it exists in what we call the food matrix, a little different from the Keanu Reeves hit movie, (laughs) um, means there's all these other players that come alongside vitamin C to enhance its absorption and potency. And in an isolated synthetic pill, You often just have vitamin C, vitamin A, vitamin E packed into the pill, and that's all you get. So you lose potency and absorption compared to the nutrients found in their natural forms in food alongside other factors that help them be more powerful and be better absorbed.
1: The other thing is, you know, a pill is really small. So for a lot of the prenatal pill options, you have to take eight of them, up to eight pills a day. So the form factor that Bazad has created um, enables that um, th- those that nutrient, our nutrient dense blend to actually be in um, something that is um that doesn't require multiple pills because you just can't fit a lot of nutrient into a pill or else it's gonna be gigantic.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it seems like along the way, you know, you often hear that you have to sacrifice quality for convenience sometimes, and it seems like that maybe is what had happened in the prenatal industry where, you know, these companies think a pill is more convenient because it's quick and easy and you can implement it into your daily routine. But at that point, you know, as Bizaad was just stating, you're sacrificing all the quality nutrients that you're not going to get compared to like a real food option.
2: And I would say a pill is more convenient for people that have no problem swallowing pills like me. I can swallow four or five pills at once, and it's not an issue but 40% of U.S. adults struggle swallowing pills. And
1: 51% of women struggle to swallow pills.
2: So when that's the case, there's an opportunity to deliver the nutrients in a different form factor that's you know, more easily taken, more regularly um, enjoyed even, which is what mm-hmm. the purpose of really is to make that yeah. something that women can enjoy.
0: And so you were creating these originally at home. Um, I'm curious what the initial reception from you, Hannah, was like, and then how long you were making those 10 bars just for yourself and maybe friends and family before you really started to envision it as a potential business.
1: Well, 10 went through so many iterations. I was the lucky guinea pig (laughs) to taste all of them. I can tell you that the beginning iterations were not very good, but (laughs) i worked on this for almost three years. So we really think we nailed the formulation and they're delicious now. So we were, um, you know, throughout the, the time of development, hosting tasting parties, having friends over asking them what they thought. Uh, and every, you know, people were interested, people were saying, Hey, this is really tasty. So, um, We did that for the, for, I don't know how long, uh, several months. And then um, one of our friends actually said, Hey, my boss is pregnant. Can I send these bars to her as a gift? Her boss was Eva Chen, who is a fashion influencer and works at Instagram, 2 million followers. And she sent the product and storied about us. And that's kind of how we ended up launching is because people were DMing us on Instagram. Um, we, our website was almost, you know, almost ready for lunch, but, um, we, we hadn't turned the, the on switch. Mm-hmm. So we did. And,
0: uh, and that's when our vision became a reality, basically after that kind of like whirlwind of interest came about, what were some of the first steps that you took to actually launch the business, move into a commercial kitchen and hit the ground running?
2: Yeah. After we got those initial orders and those inquiries, it took us a few weeks, if not a few months to fulfill those orders. We were at that time experimenting in a commercial kitchen of a friend who was giving us space on the weekends. We would have to bring in all of our ingredients make the bars that day, remove all all of our ingredients. And we just packed our small, I think Honda Civic at the time with literally every ingredient that we needed. And then all the bars would come home with us at the end of the day.
1: And equipment.
2: We were fulfilling orders initially at home. Uh, We did have an LLC license. We were fulfilling everything in a commercial kitchen. So I want to point out that nothing was illegal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Of course, the safety, when you make food, and especially something for a vulnerable population like women in pregnancy. For me, safety was of paramount importance, especially because I was making this originally for my wife and Hannah was still taking the product on a daily basis, still does take the product on a daily basis. So for me, knowing where all the ingredients came from and knowing what the process of production was, that everything was safe, that we did the testing that we needed to make sure there weren't heavy metals mold bacteria etc was really important so we did all that stuff in a commercial kitchen from day one um and we just outgrew it um a few months later we realized we couldn't just make bars on the weekend this was turning into more than just a fun side gig hobby and we got our own commercial kitchen space which we signed a one-year lease for which was at that point for us scary we got uh reasonably sized, modest sized commercial kitchen space in LA. And for the longest time, maybe for almost a year, it was Hannah and I banging out the bars ourselves. Hannah then was pregnant. And I felt Odd dragging my pregnant wife to work. <laughs> People in the kitchen space would see me like, Why are you making your pregnant wife work on the weekends? And I,
1: I was volunteering to work. I thought, Oh, we have so many orders. We need to get them out. Let me just make these bars, help make mm-hmm. these bars.
2: I was like, I can't do this to her anymore. And so I <laughs> started to find some help, some employees. Uh, we now have a handful of employees that make bars most days of the week, fulfill orders most days of the week. Um, we're almost at capacity for what we can even do in our commercial kitchen space. So we're exploring other options, but it was really slow going growth, um, probably for the first six to eight months. And it may not have been until middle of last year, uh, fall of last year, where we started to figure some things out on the marketing and advertising side to expand the reach, started to get more influencers to share about us. um, That led to Sort of where we are now, which is we can't make bars fast enough. Every week we make a batch of bars and it's already accounted for, it's already sold. Basically, we're all but sold out all the time. And so that's where we're thinking about how to expand more um, in 2023 so we can meet that customer demand.
0: Mm -hmm. That's a good problem to have for sure as a business owner. And you mentioned you have a few employees who are making the bars, but aside from that, is it primarily still the two of you kind of running the day to day?
1: Yes. So we are the two full-time employees at 10, unpaid employees <laughs> as of now. We do have a couple consultants that we work with, but yeah, aside from the the kitchen help, um, which we are planning to scale, we are learning as we go. So I'm doing all the marketing, Bazad is doing all the operations and um, it's just been a fun ride.
2: Yeah, we were part of two (laughs) business accelerators uh, in 2022, which were really helpful as far as providing us with resources and advisors. So SKU is known as the nation's leading CPG or consumer packaged goods accelerator out of Austin, Texas. They helped us understand how to scale a business. And Target Forward Founders is the target we all know and love. It was all about how to get retail ready as a small brand. So those connections and those community have been really important. And I feel like even though those people aren't on our payroll. They've been at times just as much a part of our team as our employees are just getting on Zoom calls with other founders, with other people in the space, asking them questions about pricing, inventory, management, strategy. So it's been fun to build sort of even an informal team of advisors um, that we don't pay, but that have just come alongside us at so many um, important points of our journey.
0: Definitely very important to connect with others in your space that you can relate to and they can provide you know those tips and resources that are coming from firsthand experience. Well, I'd love to hear about the different bars that TEND offers, how you develop each flavors throughout those years of testing and maybe which one is each of your favorites. So we offer
1: three flavors that are meant to evoke comfort and familiarity. We first developed peanut butter chocolate, which is my personal favorite because I love peanut butter. (laughs) And uh, we also have lemon berry, which has an interesting story behind it. And then we also have chocolate sea salt, which is great as, you know, midday dessert, after dinner, sweet
0: bite. Nice. What's the story behind your lemon berry bar?
2: So after I made peanut butter chocolate, which was Hannah's first request, um, I was playing around with a more potentially citrusy or floral flavor. And I made a big batch of what I thought was not lemon berry, but a different flavor. And I ended up adding lemon oil to this batch of bars instead of the other oil or extract that I thought I was adding. And I made it, pressed it, gave some to Hannah, And she was like, this tastes like lemon. And I went back and I checked the ingredients and I was like, oh oh my God, I added lemon oil instead of (laughs) the other oil I was trying to add.
1: But it was delicious. And
2: it was a big enough batch that we were sending to our, we had like a group of 15 or 20 friends that were our taste testers actually around the Mm -hmm. country. So we were sending them bars in the mail. So we sent them peanut butter, chocolate, chocolate, sea salt, and then this mystery flavor that became lemon berry but when we sent it, people's feedback was positive. So it was really an accident that I added the wrong extract and the wrong oil to that initial batch. And lemon berry became, actually is our best seller yeah. even to date.
1: Yeah, yeah, it wow. is. The citrus is, um, it's really good, especially if you get nauseated during pregnancy. The citrus is a nice freshness.
0: Hannah, when we first spoke, you informed me that a prenatal snack like 10 is not just for women who are pregnant or trying to become pregnant. So how is 10 beneficial for all women?
1: We do have customers who are neither like you mentioned mm-hmm. pregnant or trying to, and like 10 because it's a nutrient dense snack. Each 10 bar has the equivalent nutritional equivalent of 8 servings of fruits and vegetables and 25 nutrients that include micronutrients like vitamin A, C, D, folate, omega-3, DHA, as well as macronutrients like protein and fiber. So 25% daily gram of fiber, up to 10 grams of protein. The bar is great for anybody who's looking for a healthy snack. A lot of women do take prenatals for their hair, for their nails. And while TEND was specifically formulating for pregnancy, you can take it If you're looking for to get your multivitamin in a better form. Uh, we had a customer who DM'd us on Instagram. She said, she said she's two years postpartum, she's, you know, done with having kids, but she's always suffered from menstrual cramps Mm -hmm. every month. She started on 10, eating 10. And after a month, her menstrual cramps were gone. And she said, I felt like it was a miracle because I've suffered from this my entire life. And never did I think that a prenatal could help with this problem. So she is now a loyal customer. And this is really why we're doing what we're doing, because the, the power of real foods is really unparalleled and it addresses so many health issues. And so- Yeah, we encourage anyone who's looking for a healthy snack to try tend.
0: Was there anything else about launching a product in the prenatal space that maybe listeners or customers would be surprised to know about or that you all yourselves were surprised to encounter as you began to grow your company in that space?
1: I was talking to this customer before I was pregnant and she said, so many of these companies in the prenatal mom baby space, they make my mom guilt worse. I feel like, oh, I'm not doing enough for my baby. Or I feel like, oh, another thing to do to add to my to-do list. Um, you know, cause when you're pregnant, you really want the best for your baby. She said, I love that your company is optimistic. I love that your company is about joy and happiness and really making something enjoyable for, um, for me as a woman, as a mom, as a, you know, a mom to be. And so I was surprised that, um, that there is not more of that kind of energy in the space. You know, the supplement space, it is like, you know, you gotta do your daily thing. Take your daily vitamins. Um, you know, it's just like something you have to do. And for me, it was a real chore. Um, but what we're trying to do is spark joy, spark um delight. Um, because being pregnant, being a young mom, breastfeeding, all of that is hard enough. So why can't you have your daily vitamins in something in a form that's actually enjoyable
0: that positive brand voice definitely comes across in your messaging and social media with like the empowering educational content you share so I think it's great that you're you know going beyond just your product to really support your customers thank you I'd love to just learn a little bit more about you two as as people apart from being entrepreneurs so I'd love to know how you met before you know all of this came to be
1: Well, I'll start by saying we never thought that we would start a business together. (laughs) Um, I I met Bazad at my best friend's wedding in New York City. So I was living in DC at the time and Bazad was already out in California. We both went to the same school, Cornell University. I I was there for my undergrad and Bazad was there for his PhD, but we never met officially. So this was um, a wedding with a lot of mutual friends. And that's when we had our official meeting in New York City.
2: Yeah, Hannah was the maid of honor. And I was just a guy lucky enough to be at the wedding. (laughs) And we spoke for a few minutes at the wedding and um, connected a little bit while she was in New York. I, of course, already had moved out to LA. And originally, she was not interested in dating someone across the country, which I could understand. But I was like, it's me. (laughs) So of course, it took some convincing and emails letters phone calls facetime and i spent a little bit of time that summer on the east coast um and it was really only about a year a bit over a year after we first met that we were married so things moved fast once hannah got on board um
1: i should have known because the our first date when we were in new york together at the same time was at tiktok diner in new york city and it was an early breakfast date before I had to to leave the city, and our first day was actually televised on CNN. CNN happened to be there interviewing um, diner guests on uh, something financial happening in uh, you know in Congress, and Bazad had a very articulate answer they liked, so they decided to broadcast it on CNN. Uh, domestic. And then they came back and asked him, can we interview on CNN international? So our first date was televised internationally.
0: So I should have known that that was a good omen. Turned out he just staged the whole thing to impress you.
2: (laughs) I think originally she thought that, Yeah. but I was like, look, I just met you. That's crazy. Like maybe for the proposal. Yes. That would have been amazing. Um, but since I just met her, I wasn't ready to pop the question. So it was just felt like, um, Any other date would feel like, but yeah, once it was nationally televised, I realized this could, this could be a cool story. I hope that this kind of works out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. Hannah, you said that neither of you had envisioned starting a company together. Now that you've been in business for over a year, what lessons have you learned on being in business with your partner? This is a great question. The hardest thing
1: is the fact that everything bleeds together um, in business and personal, you know, our relationship. Now that we have a baby, our sense of time has drastically changed. And and so I would say um, just have grace and flexibility. People talk about having work-life boundaries, but for me, balance and boundaries is, um, is not as important as just being flexible.
2: I think for me, what was important was the first few months, maybe even the first almost year of working together before the business officially launched. I wanted to work on everything. I wanted to have my finger in marketing, packaging design, in colors, in the website, in the financial, in the product. And Hannah was doing everything too. (laughs) Pressing bars, mixing ingredients with me. And just like you have in any other organization, you need to carve out roles. And it sounds obvious, but when you think you have two people that are passionate about a certain cause. Yeah, I wanted to do everything I wanted to, I care deeply about what the website looked like, what the messaging was, what the copywriting was on the emails that we sent out, et cetera. But we had to divide those responsibilities where now I do more of the operations and the finance and the production work. And Hannah does more of the marketing and outreach and the sales and everything that's outward facing, basically. Mm-hmm. It sounds obvious, like in a business, people have to have roles, right? But when you're a small business, Often I've heard this from other founders too. You sort of have to do everything as a founder. Yeah. Because there's only you guys. But it helped me a lot. And I think the business a lot when we we're able to carve out, here's your responsibility, here's mine. Um, on the finance side, I have, you know, hired an accountant that does some help with me. Hannah's hired some folks that help her a little bit here and there with social media. So we have our own little teams, and then we sort of come together for our regular meetings where we update each other it's good for me and the business and it's probably preferable for Hannah that I don't get to speak in on every little decision.
0: I can see why avoiding trying to do everything as a small business owner would be difficult, but really important to build that trust and delegate roles within your team, as you mentioned. How do you balance all of those responsibilities at TEND along with your other jobs?
2: I think part of the reason I got my PhD was I wanted to change people's health sounds really high pie in the sky, sort of vision, very abstract even, but I wanted to make something that people could eat and it would make them live healthier lives. And so even as an academic, I was always thinking about and reading research about what are the latest studies showing in prenatal health and nutrition, et cetera. And then when we came about this personal problem, I, you know, ran with all the stuff that I learned, even up until a few years ago in my academic experience to translate that into a product. So the advantage in a sense of my still being an academic was that I was up on the research and always reading studies. Of course, it's a lot to balance being in academia, being a professor and starting a business. But I think the pandemic gave me a lot more time because everything was remote for the startup energy that was required of me to formulate, I was able to do that stuff all at home and teach remotely. So I had a ton of flexibility. Of course, now being back in person, I've been able to sort of adjust my roles and responsibilities on campus, lessen them. People that I work with understand that I have this other project tend. And I'm trying to always think of ways that it can synergize and not hinder the business. And of course, as my responsibilities in the business grow along with the business growing, I'll just have to revisit on a regular basis what it looks like to stay connected to the academic realm. But I think there's so much research and innovative thought in academia that doesn't often get translated to on the ground people's everyday experiences, products, innovation, et cetera, that I love to stay connected however I can to the research at the university type settings and determine how that can translate into on the ground everyday products that affect people's health.
1: yeah, and then for me, um, you know I'm now a mom and uh, also um, do have a couple of curatorial projects that had been kind of set in motion before starting tend. and uh, uh, and I think just as I said before, like the having a flexible mindset, but actually also having a, compartmentalize my mindset in some ways, like flexible in terms of my own schedule. Like I'm a night person. I like working at night. That's when the baby's down. I can actually think clearly. Um, so it's been a lot of late nights for me. Um, but at the same time, just realizing that, okay, I'm one person. I have, you know, several responsibilities, several roles, things that, that all contribute to my, um, you know, things that I like doing. And, um, and how can I set aside time to, you know, do marketing tasks and then set aside time to do, you know, more creative brainstorming and, uh, and then of course, like doing all the research about, you know, my baby's growth and development Mm -hmm. and what I need, what I can do to optimize that and um, realizing I can't do it all, but just um, setting aside practical time for, for, for different, different modes of working.
0: Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Are there any other memorable customer moments that make you feel excited about the products you've created?
1: We get messages all the time from women who are in their first trimester who are saying, I feel so sick. I feel so nauseated. You know, first trimester is often the hardest. I can't eat anything. I can't keep anything down, but I can take, I can keep 10 down. And this was a lifesaver for me. Um, we also, so each 10 bar does have ginger mint and B6 to help with the nausea. And because it is a food, often when you're in your first trimester, um, eating little bits of food does help with the nausea. And so um, that has been really amazing to hear how um, we're helping women in that first trimester, which is one of the most important trimesters to, to try to get nutrients in.
0: Mm-hmm. It's interesting because, Bazad, you mentioned earlier that you, you had um a sort of pie in the sky idea of wanting to help people with their health. And it seems like when you get those customer feedbacks, I'm sure it kind of feels like you're really fulfilling that passion you had. And it is not so pie in the sky after all.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think just like Hannah said, getting DMs from customers unsolicited that say, you know, this has changed something in their lives and they now feel more confident. They look forward to this. Um, whether it was the woman who said she felt better after her cramping, that is literally wind underneath our wings because that's why we're here. Like if if we were making a product that didn't make a difference in people's lives and was just tasty, it would still be great to have a business and to launch a business. Um, And I think there's a lot of brands that put out products that are really tasty, that bring joy to people. And I think those are great. I consume a lot of those brands. Um, but given our background and our story, it feels so personal when someone says like, this helped me. Because for so many years, um, given Hannah's struggle, our family story was so personal, like our struggling with like getting pregnant, then ha- having the baby and realizing that other people can benefit and have a similar story to us, it just makes you feel connected to something bigger than just your personal kind of family story. So mm-hmm. hearing feedback from customers literally makes me think like, we can't stop. There's gotta be more women out there. And not only, not only women, but what about kids, men, older folks that maybe are past you know, their pregnancy years. Like there are opportunities I think to benefit and bring joy to folks all along the life cycle across the whole family that uh, we think tend is potentially just scratching the surface of what it can become for
0: people. Mm-hmm. What is each of your favorite part of your day to day responsibilities running Tend?
1: My my favorite part is hearing from customers.
2: This will sound really nerdy, but my favorite part is the formulation. Like when we were first formulating this product, thank God for Google Sheets, because (laughs) I had Google Sheet after Google Sheet of hundreds of recipes. And it was really fun for me to experiment and take like a scientific trial and error hypothesis driven type approach to formulation, because I'm not a chef. And just because I studied nutrition doesn't mean that I know how to make yummy foods, just means I know what's healthy and what's sort of not.
1: But you do have a taste tester.
2: I have a taste tester. (laughs) Um, But as I think about the future of tend and like flavors that we can formulate in the future, and we have tinkered with some seasonal flavors, we had a cinnamon bun flavor that we released that was our winter flavor last year. We had a pistachio rose flavor, a citrus sunrise flavor. So I'm excited about getting quote unquote back in the lab and tinkering with new flavors, new formulations. I'm always scouting out new ingredients, like what benefits can we add to this product and just continue to make things that are yummy and healthy.
0: And what else is next for 10 apart from some potentially new flavors as you think of, you know, upcoming goals or plans for the future?
1: This first year or so of growth has been testing the market, finding our legs, and we're ready to scale the business. We have big plans to optimize our customer experience via our website. We've had retailers reach out interested in carrying our product in their stores. Those are some things that we're focusing on this year is really scaling the business and driving our growth.
0: I like to close out each episode by asking our guests to provide a few words of wisdom, so what is your biggest piece of advice for founders and entrepreneurs?
1: Stay close to your customer. If we didn't have our customers who actually loved 10, we wouldn't be where we are. Talk to your customers, get to know them, find out what they like, find out what what kind of lifestyle they they lead and meet them where they are.
2: For me, the biggest thing is enjoy the ride. If you don't enjoy the ride, which means the process, which means the grind, you will quit because the first part of the business, even up till now, you know, we're not paying ourselves. We're not making money in a sense that, you know, we're rich. Um, <laughs> in fact, we put, in, putting a, our money we into put the in a business. ton of our personal money and we're hoping that, you know, that return will grow over time. So the fact that I like formulating, I think Hannah now, you know, likes the marketing and reaching out to customers. Like I enjoy working on this business and seeing it grow. And if I didn't enjoy it just for itself, and I was waiting to see that return, I probably wouldn't have been working on it for the past two or three years like a crazy person. But I enjoy formulating new products, putting them out there, hearing people give us feedback, iterating them. I like that kind of tinkering and the discovery that comes along with it. So if you have a business idea and you... see yourself enjoying working on that even if the return doesn't come right away even if you're just working on it in anonymity for a few years but you enjoy it i think founders need to enjoy what they're working on um, and be passionate about it because you may never see the return you may see it in five six seven years but if you enjoy the process it doesn't feel like wasted time it feels like fun it's not fun every day all the time but overall to launch a business in a pandemic with my wife based on a personal story has been fun and I've enjoyed it no matter where uh, this thing goes in the next few years.
0: Great advice from you both. It's been a pleasure learning more about the story behind your business. And I think it's incredible what you're doing to support women. Before I let you go, can you please let everyone know where they can keep up with Tend online and on social media? Our handle on social media
1: is at tendprenatal. And you can purchase 10 on
0: our website, which is tendprenatal.com. Thank you so much to Hannah and Bazad for joining me on the podcast. And thank you to everyone listening. I hope you join us next week for a new episode of Office Chats.